to Mrs. G's Storytime. We are reading the book, Betsy Tim Boom, Promise of God, by Mike Evans, with permission of Time Worthy Books, and we are on chapter 19. After Papa prayed for me, I went back to the shop and took over my old job. Corey returned upstairs, but the following November I was sick with the influenza, really sick, and was confined to bed. Dr. Van Veen treated me, but my recovery was slow. Corey went downstairs to help in the shop. Although I'd spent much of the time after Mama's funeral grappling with her death and what it meant for me, I'd noticed that Corey seemed frustrated over work in the shop. Now being forced to return to those duties, I sensed her frustration increasing once again, enough so that even though I was bedridden, I knew she was struggling. At first, I thought she was upset because she would have rather been upstairs keeping house with Aunt Annie, but as I listened to her, I learned that she didn't like the way the books had been kept. I don't know how you do this, she said more than once. The accounts are unorganized. Bills seem to be have gone unpaid, and there's no way to determine for certain who has paid us and who has not. I fixed most of this, but now it's in a mess again. I bite my tongue to keep from responding, but in my mind I was thinking. She should have seen it when I first took it over. At first, during that illness, I simply lay in bed and slept, but after a week or two, my condition improved and I became bored. All day long I lay there reading and thinking and staring into the distance without focusing on much of anything. Over time, however, I noticed the dust along the top edge of the baseboards. The few times I went to the kitchen, I saw pots and pans sitting in a jumble on the cabinet shelf. Plates were at an odd angles, drinking glasses haphazardly arranged in no certain way, and all of them demanding to be placed in order. But I resisted the urge to straighten them out and force myself to return to bed. As the illness lingered, I thought of my anemic condition and how Dr. Trump had cautioned me that a certain illness of this nature could be very difficult for my body, even fatal. My thoughts turned to Mama. She was sick most of her life and young when she died, too young. I didn't want to die and I didn't want to spend my life in bed. Slowly, fear creeped into my mind. Not merely fear of anything, but something very specific, fear of dying. Finally, I could stand being in bed no longer, and instead of just lying there with my mind dragging me deeper and deeper into despair, I threw back the covers, slid out of bed, and quietly began doing some things I had seen that needed to be done. With Aunt Annie's help, I rearranged the dishes in the kitchen cabinet, sorted and straightened the pots and pans, swept the floors and dusted. Then I turned to a door down the hall that I wanted to refinish. Two days before Christmas, I slipped out of the back door and walked up the street to the market, where I purchased flowers to decorate the parlor. Corey was waiting for me when I returned. The look on her face told me she was not amused. What are you doing, she railed. No one thought to get flowers, I replied with a smile, and Christmas is almost here. I placed the flowers in a vase with water and set them on the dining room table. While hoping, she would watch quietly and return downstairs. You're sick, she fumed, and you're supposed to be in bed. Dr. Van Veen said so. Rest, plenty of fluids, not running down the street to buy flowers or stripping the doors to refinish them. Look, I know you don't like working in the shop, but... No, she snapped, cutting me off before I could finish. I love working in the shop. What I hate is housework. But what makes me angry is when my sister won't take care of herself. Corey, I began, trying to calm her. I'll be okay. I just had to... I've lost a mother, she shouted, and I don't want to lose you, too. I put my arm around her shoulder and drew her close to me. You won't lose me, I whispered. You won't lose me. She wrapped her arms around my back and rested her head on my shoulder. 
You'll never get well if you don't rest. I let go of her. Okay, I'll go back in bed. But I didn't know you liked the shop. I love the shop with the watches and all the parts and everything working in perfect order, she said as she walked with me to my bedroom. I even love the ledger. At least I did until you got hold of it again. (laughs) I cracked with laughter as I slipped beneath the covers. Do you realize what has happened? She gave me a questioning look. What do you mean? I've been down there working in the shop all this time, wishing I was up here cooking and cleaning and keeping house. And you were up here doing the housework, wishing you were downstairs. Yes, she chuckled. I suppose you're right. I was just doing what had to be done. You were already in the shop. They didn't need one more person in there. And I was simply doing what needed to be done when I went to the shop. Mama and Annie did the housework. But they either didn't like the shop or couldn't make heads or tails of Papa's accounting. What accounting, she said with a derisive roll of her eyes. It's a mess. And really, I added, it's even worse when I took it over. I know, Corey nodded. I saw what you did with it, and I actually came to understand how you kept track of it. But all you have to do is line up. Hold it, I said, interrupting her. You know how to keep it straight and correct? Yes, of course. It's really very simple. Good, I grinned. Then why don't you stay in the shop with Papa, and I'll stay up here with Aunt Annie? We'll do that, Corey said, pulling the covers a little higher. But right now you're going to rest. By Christmas I was well enough to work in the kitchen, and we enjoyed a feast for our holiday meal. In the days that followed, the soup pot was never empty, and the aroma of fresh coffee filled the air. Downstairs, the shop ran as smoothly as the clocks on the wall and as effortlessly as the watches in the case. Lewis moved up from the apprentice to assistants and took over all the cleaning jobs. Papa hired a woman named Tooz to take over the ledger and wait on customers, and Corey became Papa's apprentice. Two years later, she was Netherlands' first licensed woman watchmaker. Well, that was a short chapter, but it was a good one. And next week we'll have chapter 20, which I think is a longer chapter, so we'll make up for that time. I love you, I'm praying for you, and bye-bye for now. And good night, Aiden.